0: We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Mani. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Paul says, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not Preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Uh, I wanted to just do these four verses, and we'll see how far we get. I, I might get all the way down to verse 15. But just uh, reemphasizing the context here, it, what had happened was false teachers had crept into the congregation in Corinth And they were turning people away from Paul because they really wanted to turn people away from Jesus. Paul was an apostle called by God with that apostolic authority. And so in one sense, the synopsis is this. At the end of the day, the devil wants to take you away from the authority, which ultimately is the apostolic truth that we have in the word of God. And so he wants to strip the church of their leaders that are anointed by God. He wants to strip the church of the word of God. And we have to be very, very careful. You know, um, later on he talks about how they're they're false prophets, that they're they're like, it's like the devil who transforms himself into an angel of light. They're posers. They're not really called by God. You know, I, uh, a while back, and I don't remember the exact details to it. Shelly will probably correct me in second service. I'll get it right. But anyways, I just have a messed up brain. I did too many drugs before I was a Christian, you know. But I, I just vaguely remember her telling me a story about one time she got off the freeway and she got pulled over by a police officer. And so, uh, you know, the truth is she wasn't doing anything wrong. And so the police officer pulled her over, and uh, he, he, you know, wanted her to uh, get out of the car or whatever, give, you know, the license, and, you know, uh, bless her heart, I was just so uh, impressed with my wife, she didn't want to do it. She said, how do I know you're a cop? You know, and, you know, he's got the uniform on, he's got the car and and everything, and, you know, she, I, I think she said, show me your badge, let me see the number, whatever, something like that, you know, and and, I, and, you know, some of you might think that that's, that's foolish, but you know what? She wasn't doing anything wrong. And, you know, the bottom line is, nowadays, there are people who would say that, you know, they're a security guard or a police officer sometimes, and, and they're not. And they're there to do harm and not help. And so I think in one sense, uh, it's better to play it safe right? And that happens in the church too. I mean, you see these guys on television or whatever, someone can come into this church and the Bible says, Paul says, that they're going to come into the church in order to draw disciples after themselves. No, we don't follow man. We follow Jesus Christ. And see, what ends up happening is we forget that people come in and then they do damage. And so Paul here is trying to to repair. Paul here is trying to heal. Paul here is trying to bring unity to the body of Christ. And so as he moves his way through this, he begins, first of all, with, uh, I guess you could use the word uh, folly. We see, first of all, Paul's folly. Notice there in verse 1, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. See, Paul, in, in defending his authority, in, in defending his apostleship, in defending himself is actually attempting to defend the Corinthians And so here he kind of asked them to kind of put up with him a little bit, kind of a little folly, a little foolishness. I mean, it almost sounds foolish that you would have to say, I'm an apostle. That you'd have to say, you know, I'm a leader of the Lord, that whatever, I'm a pastor. It's almost like awful that anyone would have to say that. Paul says, but I have to. So here's a little folly, you know, and it's going to, be something that's going to take some different measures for me to share with you and it's going to take a little time but please can you listen to me for a second I'm jealous for you he says right there uh, verse 2 I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy you know and some girls maybe you can relate to this maybe even guys you know to find out that someone's actually jealous for you it it kind of it can be a little flattering it, it can be good you know, hopefully you know that not all jealousy is bad some jealousy is good some is protective and a little bit of proper jealousy can actually save a marriage right i'm not talking about you know you get jealous when your spouse is innocently talking to someone of the opposite sex or they get mad when you look in that general direction or vicinity, or I'm not talking about when your spouse loses their spirituality because that's not right. The Bible talks about that. I'm not talking about unhealthy insecurities within an individual. That type of jealousy in all reality is ugly. it's sin, and I've seen husbands and wives suffer from that. But let's say that their clear boundaries are being crossed, that some you know gal's hitting on your man, right, and she's batting her eyelashes or whatever, you know, some, you know, guys uh, getting way too friendly with your wife. You know, why does he always compliment her, you know, that she dresses nice or whatever, her godliness, her perfume, you know. And you as a husband, you find out about that and, you know, you don't just ignore it. You deal with it. You step in. You address it. And that's kind of what Paul is doing here. He's addressing it. In this case, he's stepping up as a Kind of a spiritual father, because he saw himself as that. Now, the Bible, we're never to address a spiritual leader as a father. Father Manny, oh my God, people have actually called me that before. You know, they come from a Catholic background. Father Manny, can I talk to you for a second? Wait a minute, stop there. Don't ever call me that again, you know. <laughs> you know, but in one sense, in the spiritual sense, there is that, that element of when you lead someone to the Lord or whatever, you're that. That spiritual mentor to them. Uh, you you are in one sense a, a father figure. Paul saw himself as a father figure according to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 15. And as a father he had betrothed this body of believers to just one husband, that's Jesus, to be married one day in the future. And so he says that there in verse 2, I'm jealous for you with the godly jealousy for I have betrothed you to one husband. You know, betrothal was their version of uh, engagement period, you know, where parents would arrange a marriage for their children, and during the betrothal period, the couple, they didn't live together, they didn't engage in any sexual activity until the wedding day. But the thing is this, betrothal was was legally binding uh, just as much as a marriage was, and so that's why we read when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant he was going to go through the whole process of divorcing her and so we as a church are betrothed to Jesus Christ. I think it's important for us to know that, right? That that betrothal, the Bible teaches Christians are betrothed to Jesus, that Jesus is the bridegroom. The Bible says in John 3:26 through 29, the church is the bride. We read in the scriptures and the groom and bride, we see that beautiful typology, which is more than just, you know, symbolism. It's reality in Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, and one day we will marry him. We're going to be in that that marriage ceremony, you know, and I, I like marriage ceremonies. I don't know if you guys do. Do you guys like those? They're beautiful, huh? I mean, you see the, the glory of it, the joy of it, the beautiful bride, you know, walking down the aisle dressed in That dress, so white, so pure. I mean, the groom right here with the smile ear to ear. I mean, the music, everything about it is glorious. And imagine, you guys, if that's how awesome it is with the human weddings here on earth. Can you imagine what our wedding is going to be like with the Lord one day? In Revelation chapter 19, it speaks of the wedding day when we, the church, clothed in white, will be married to Jesus Christ. I mean, it's going to be amazing. We're betrothed to him. That's what the Bible teaches. The church is a bride betrothed to Christ. And in that kind of like that ministerial responsibility sort of sense, Paul would one day present the people that he was entrusted with to Christ. And he wanted to present them pure and perfect. As a matter of fact, he wrote to the Colossians in Colossians one twenty-eight. He says, him we preach, speaking of Jesus, Jesus we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect, present, present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And so, you know, that's who we are as a church. That's who Paul was as an apostle, understanding that responsibility that he had, He didn't want anybody to come in and, you know, create some type of fornication in the fellowship from a spiritual perspective. He wanted to present this congregation as a pure, chaste virgin to the Lord. And he understood his responsibility, right? And and I think we do too. I mean, if you're engaged to the woman you love and, you know, someone comes around and tries to lure her way some other guy steps in and he's a player he knows what he's doing right he's tall dark and handsome rich he's got a nice sports car a colgate smile i mean mr suave mr smooth and and you know you see him there and he's messing with your your girl and if you see that happen jealousy is supposed to kick in and kick out and that's where that's where Paul is i i think that we need to know that Paul says right here i'm jealous for you with a with a godly jealousy see that's the i don't know if you guys knew that or not but god is a jealous god i mean it's interesting to me he even gives himself that name he says to his people in exodus 34 verse 14 for you shall worship no other god for the lord whose name is jealous is a jealous god i mean that's a trip i mean you can actually address god as jealous that's how much he's jealous for you he doesn't want to share you with anyone else he loves you we we sang that song earlier and i think we'll sing it again that he is jealous for me and that's where, where Paul is, is, is. He's just said, man, I, I have this godly jealousy for you. Paul here is the agent of God's jealousy. And the false teachers are messing around with Jesus' beloved bride, his betrothed. And Paul is just trying to protect them. And so we see, first of all, Paul's folly. Uh, secondly, Paul's fatherhood. And then thirdly, Paul's fear. Look at verse 3. He says, but I fear... Lest somehow as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know, Paul wasn't afraid of a lot of things, but I tell you what, he was afraid of his disciples allowing themselves to be deceived by the devil right because that same slithering serpent who deceived Eve who was in you know an unfallen state think about that i mean you know he deceived her in the garden of eden he's been around a long long time he's good at what he does he's been the instrument of the fall of many many people extremely crafty he knows exactly what he's doing his lies are so presented in such a way that they're believable and he attacks us you know, he attacks the mind with intellectual and spiritual deception, which wants to lead us to a fall and then a falling away, and then all the way to apostasy. You know, and I and I know some people say, "Well, once saved, always saved, man." And, you know, once saved, always saved. And and you know what? I hope you're right. You know, if you believe that, I'm not going to argue with you necessarily. But I mean, when I read the Bible, I I just I don't see that as clearly as you do. I think there's actually a chance that some people were sitting in those pews right where you're sitting doing exactly what you're doing. Sometimes even preaching from this pulpit right here and platforms like this that you know, little by little, man, I've seen it over the years. Next thing you know, they're not serving the Lord. They're not sitting there. They're not preaching there. And they're not, you know, from all looks and appearances, they are not walking with Jesus Christ anymore. And so you could tell me they never knew the Lord. That's fine. Maybe it's true. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, it's the same thing. I fear for you. I fear for me. Lest somehow the devil will come in and deceive you too. He says, I just want you to go to heaven. And you have to abide in Jesus Christ. You know, you have to be in that place where Paul says, man, where you know the truth. Paul was very concerned that their minds might be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know, a lot of times people, when they grow in the Lord, they want like complexity. You know, next thing you know, they're off on a tangent. And the enemy will do whatever he can to lead us away from a simple, solid, single-minded faithfulness to Jesus. And he'll put a whole bunch of rules and regulations on you. He'll put stipulations on you. He'll put burdens on you. He'll make it intellectual. Next thing you know, you're not usable on the Lord anymore because you've forgotten the simplicity that is in a love relationship with Jesus Christ. You now, for whatever reason, we all have like that inclination to go religious. We all have that inclination to get intellectual. No, that's not how you grow. You want to know how you grow? You grow in the simplicity that is in Christ. To be holy and to grow means you're just more like Jesus. Some people think that growing means that you, you, know, you, you grow a big head. And, and yeah, that would be cool if you had more Bible knowledge. I think that is very helpful, but it's only helpful if it makes you more like Jesus. But the enemy will come in and he'll try to deceive us from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know, if we're not wearing that full armor of God, I mean, we're a goner. I don't know about you. Maybe you're a big, bad, and buff, but I can't go toe-to-toe with the devil. I can't. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter how smart you are you know we're no match for the deception of the devil and that's why the bible says in ephesians six, ten through 11 it says finally my brethren be strong in the lord and in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil you know and and the wiles of the devil is uh the devious cunning strategies of satan that he employs to persuade us to believe the words or manipulate us to do his will. And so, you know, um, Paul says, let me me just share a little folly here. Like, I'm jealous for you guys, man, because I want to present you to Christ. And I'm kind of afraid and I'm concerned because I know what's out there. They come knocking at your door, you know, and whatever you get that one, you know, I don't know, like an influence of a Joel Osteen or a... What's that girl's name? I forgot her name, the real popular one. Joyce Myers, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, T.D. Jakes. We're going to talk a little bit about T.D. Jakes. These guys are good talkers. They're good talkers. But they're they're imposters. It's important for us to know this. You know, because you kind of get led astray. Look at Paul's faith in verse 4. For If he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, uh, you knuckleheads, you might put up with it. (laughs) You know, that's kind of what he's saying right here. And here we see that they were preaching another Jesus, they were presenting a different spirit, they were proclaiming a different gospel. You know, and the original language it seems to say that they were actually tolerating it. They were putting up with it. They were, they were okay with it. You know, and 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 that Paul said it really it really concerns me. You know, um, let me share with you guys a, a couple of things. Um, I, I want to make sure that I do my best. You know, for you guys to know like the truth. And uh, in Matthew twenty eight. If you would turn there. Jesus says in verse 18, Matthew 28, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That's who God is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of times people, they, they kind of they get, oh, Who is Jesus? You know, and I mean, who is the Holy Spirit? We're going to touch on that. As Paul says, they're preaching a different Jesus. They're preaching a different spirit. And, you know, maybe you didn't grow up with some type of Protestant catechism. You're not like from that liturgical background. But I do think it's important for us to have a a certain, uh, I don't know, I guess, a a framework of theology, a systematic theology. And and what we believe, and I would encourage you to memorize this, and I would encourage you to help your children memorize this, is we believe in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, equal in essence and nature, but not in function and office. You know, and, and you got to memorize that. How many gods? Just one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Equal in essence and nature, just like a man and a woman are equal in essence and nature. They've always been. There wasn't a day when the Father had celestial sex and created Jesus. There wasn't a day when the Father spoke Jesus into existence from nothing, which is what the JWs would teach you. No, they've always existed. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Equal in essence and nature, but not in function and office. The Father is over the Son. The Son and the Father are over the Spirit. It doesn't mean they're not God. And that's why you see it in scriptures. The Father, you know, telling the Son what to do. And some people struggle with that. Well, it's because of their functions. It's because of their office. You know, but um, I want to encourage you guys to, to, to just know who God is and, you know, to have certain understandings. I was talking to my son about this on the way over. Like, you know, memorize this. You know, and he knows this, but you know, like, you know, I want to tell the congregation to memorize this because, you know, it, it starts in the mind. And then from the mind, it can move to the heart. Right? Because right here he says that Satan might come and he might corrupt your minds. So we have to know who God is. And that's why in the Great Commission, it meant it's to, to Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, he's not just talking about water baptism here, although we do baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but that's just symbolic of how we as a church, we're making disciples of people. We teach them about the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's in the Great Commission woven right there. That's who God is, and if you don't believe that Jesus is God, or the Holy Spirit is God, or the Holy Spirit is a person, then you won't go to heaven. Jesus said, if you don't believe I am, you will die in your sins. The whole Gospel of John was written to tell us that, that Jesus is God. And so, you know, for us, you know, someone comes and they preach a different Jesus. You know, and that can, that can rear its head in so many ways. They can say that Jesus isn't God. They can say that Jesus is your genie. You want a homer? Just ask Jesus, your genie. Right? You want to get healthy, wealthy, and prosperous? You know, Jesus wore designer jeans. What are you talking about, man? That's not my Jesus. My Jesus, he had nowhere to lay his head. You know, my Jesus, I mean, he had to borrow a boat, he had to borrow a grave, he had to borrow a coin. They come and they preach a different Jesus. And and Paul says, man, you guys, you guys actually might put up with it. And that's why you have to know your Bible and you have to know know who your Jesus is. I mean, they might come like a, a Joel Osteen, love, 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 positive, future, wonderful, God bless you. And that's cool, dude, but tell me a little bit about holiness. Tell me a little bit about sin so that I can repent of my sins and really receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. You know, I mean, you know, for us, we need the real Jesus. You know, some will come and they'll tell you why well, he was just a typical teacher, a random rabbi, a passing prophet. No, he's not. He's God in the flesh. You know, another. yesterday I was talking to someone and they were telling me about how they were invited to this church in Colorado and, you know, they were thinking about going, but someone said, hey, you shouldn't go there because they believe in Jesus only. And And so she asked me yesterday, she said, what is Jesus only? And I said, well, that's what they call modalism, also known as sabellianism. And they believe that it's one God with three hats. So you got the father, he wears his father hat. Then when he becomes a son, so to speak, he wears his son shirt. And then when he's the Holy Spirit, you know, he puts on a different uniform. You know what I'm talking? They don't believe in three persons. They only believe in one person with three hats. But that's not what the Bible teaches because so you see the Father talking to the Son. You see the angels worshiping the Son. You see in the book of Acts chapter 5, when you know when they say, hey, you haven't lied to man, you've lied to God. You've you lied to the Holy Spirit. Some people think the Holy Spirit is a force. You know, like the Star Wars. The force be with you, man. No, the Holy Spirit is a person. And He lives within us. That's what the Bible teaches. And if these guys come in and they don't have that apostolic authority and they teach a different Jesus or a different spirit, you guys might put up with it, and you in putting up with it might lose your soul. We can't put up with it because that will lead people to hell. And I was reminded of the of that parable in Matthew 25. Since we're here you know, we might as well go there in Matthew 25. It says, And then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Because, I, you know, we're talking about the wedding, right? We're talking about the bride and the bridegroom, right? And now five of them were wise and five were foolish. So we're talking 50-50 here, man. <laughs> and uh, and he said but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps now that oil is symbolic of 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 who the holy spirit so five they had they had the oil but while the bridegroom was delayed they all slumbered and slept and at midnight a cry was heard and behold the bridegroom is coming go out to meet him and then all those virgins arose and they trimmed their lamps And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready, they went in with him to the wedding. There's that wedding. And then the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. I mean, these were five virgins that didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't. You know, and they said they were waiting for Jesus. The day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, Amos says. Oh man, you're not ready for the day of the Lord. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. You know, some, and again, it's interesting, and I think it's so important for us to, to teach the right Jesus and to teach the right Holy Spirit, you know, He's not the one who's going to make you bark like a dog and make you, you know, stick to the carpet or make you run around the church and do cartwheels. That's not the Holy Spirit that we're talking about. We're talking about the Holy Spirit that you know, the Bible says He gives us this, the fruit of self-control. And then there are those who are on the other side and they're, you know, they're dead. They don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. They don't believe in words of wisdom or knowledge or tongues or anything like that. That's that's not the Holy Spirit of my Bible. What we believe and we need to be taught is, is who the Holy Spirit is. He's still here today. The Spirit of God will use the Word of God to make us more and more like the Son of God. But you guys, we need to know who Jesus is. We need to know who the Holy Spirit is. Because otherwise, you know, Paul says, I'm afraid that something's going to go really radically wrong with you. You see, he he also mentions something that's very important, and that is the, the gospel. If you go back to 2 Corinthians, he says, For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received... And by the way, it's interesting there... You receive a different spirit. What's he saying? He's talking about people who are receiving demons. It's crazy, right? And he says right there, he says that, or if you, you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. You know, and that's, I guess, what you could say, where, where you know, it becomes fatal. I mean, the gospel is what gets us to heaven. And so someone comes, like the book of Galatians says in chapter 1 and verse 6, Paul said to them, I marvel. He says, I'm tripping out that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. So someone comes in and you know one of the things that's interesting here and I was reading Pastor Chuck on this and he was just talking about how a lot of times people will come in and they don't go looking for the lost on the streets. They go into the church because they don't like people that know the Lord, right? The enemy doesn't like people that are on their way to heaven and so... You know, they come in and, and they just, oh, you know what, it's, you guys need to add this to the gospel. You need to, you know, add some rules and regulations, a little bit of circumcision, a little bit of Judaism, a little bit of whatever it might be, religion. Uh, you need to kind of get a little bit more Jewish and, you know, they add these kind of different flavors to it. You need to kind of go back to the Torah, whatever it might be. And it's like, wait a minute, God, God pulled us out of religion. You know, Jesus, he completes the law. I don't need to go back to the law. You know, I, I don't need to get baptized to be saved. The, the Church of Christ International will come and they tell the young people, you need to get baptized by us in order to be saved. And that will actually damn you if you believe that you're saved by a ceremony. That's what the whole book of Galatians is about because they were coming in and saying, you guys need to get circumcised to be saved. And they were perverting the gospel. You guys, just, you know, stay with the Lord, man. Stay with the simplicity that is in Christ. Don't get all complicated or sophisticated. Just fall in love with Him. Stay in His Word. Because I know, I know for sure, the enemy is going to come after you. I know that, we know that. And Paul says, man, one day, you know, I want you to get married to Jesus. But if you go sleeping around with all these other, you know, girls and sins and adulteries and religions and different things, and you're dabbling with everything, do you think Jesus is going to marry you? Not unless, you know, you come back to the Lord and you repent. You know, the false teachers, you know, they're everywhere they're everywhere they're in the Christian bookstores they're on Christian radio they're on Christian supposedly Christian television you know the only way that you're going to be able to be protected is if you know your Bible well and this is serious stuff you know I'll close with this and you know um, well let me let me take you one more place you got all excited huh 1 Corinthians 15. Just in case, Paul says in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preach to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, and then he says, if... You hold fast that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Here it is. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You see, Jesus died for us. He died that death that we should have died. He suffered the suffering and the penalty and the punishment that we should have suffered. He died for our sins. Then they put him in a grave and he rose again. He rose again. And so Paul says right here, if you believe, notice he says, by faith, then you're saved. See, and for us when we put it all together i think it's pretty simple i repent of my sins i repent of my unbelief i let it go and i believe and receive jesus christ as the lord and savior of my life and when you do he says that word he uses the word believed there in verse 2 when that happens in your heart then you're saved that's the gospel it's so simple it's such good news it's free gift don't ever let anyone ever come in and mess that up. Because they'll try. And you have to be on your guard. You know, I'll tell you guys, I'll tell you girls this especially, man. I, I, I Oh, man, I heard an awful story this week about, a, I guess he was uh, posing to be a security guard. And this isn't the first time, but I I heard it again and I was just like, devastated, you know, this gal. I guess she's out clubbing or she's in a club and she comes out and and she's kind of approached by a security guard and, you know, he's kind of pretending like he's, you know, a local authority. And and I don't know if he told her, well, you can't, you know, get high or drunk or you can drink. I don't know what, but somehow he, he handcuffed her and he arrested her and she thought that he was a security guard. And, uh, you know, he put her in the back seat, drove her around and raped her. So you ladies, you know, you be careful. I think my wife was smart. Show me your badge. That's what the enemy does. He poses as a a leader of the Lord, as the authority. And he's not. Because they want to do damage. You guys, we have to guard the gospel with all our hearts. So important, man. Because we have a wedding coming up. <laughs> one day, we're going to be married to the Lord. I, I just know it's going to be a pretty awesome wedding celebration. And and let me just close before we have communion by saying this. In, in one sense, it's not really a, a sin issue you know, because we all fall short, we all sin, and we're going to continue to sin, unfortunately, until we're in glory. It's more of a son issue. question is, you know, where are you with, with Jesus? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Do you trust in him and him alone? Because if you do, then one day we're going to get married, man. It's going to be so awesome. And so don't let anyone ever lead you astray in any way to anyone else. No man, no church, nothing. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. It's Him that we preach.